Amen. I want to I want you to turn in your Bibles. We've been doing this series. It's still kind of loud. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter three. How many have been reading your Bible this week? Not enough hands are gonna every hand should go up. Every hand should go up. So I want to encourage you to read your word. You know, I got to remember that I have to wear reading glasses now, and I don't bring them with me over to the podium, so I got to get them here. People, people are still trying to say I'm getting old, but I, still, I, I rebuke you. <laughs> As you know, we're doing this study. We've been in the book of Acts, and I just don't know how long the Lord is going to keep me here. But I'm going to be here as long as the Lord says. I may go through the entire book. I don't know yet. But right now, we're going through the book of Acts. As we look at the establishment of the church, the work that the Lord is doing in the lives of the apostles as he has left the scene and the Holy Spirit has come. Great and mighty things the Lord has been doing as he is showing forth his power and the fact that he's risen from the dead. Um, there is no greater thing that a person can do than accept the Lord as their Savior. You, you don't want to get involved in other things. You don't want to have your life going down a different course until you check in with the Lord. You need to get saved. And if you don't get saved, I have to tell you, you can't be with the Lord in eternity. In the Bible, if you would turn to Acts chapter 3, I want you to stand for a moment as I, read, as I pray and then I'll have you sit. But if you would stand, please, as we read the word, as we pray first. We thank you today, Lord, for the privilege of your love. And we recognize that this is the day that you've made. We thank you for the powerful word of God. And we pray that you will speak through me, that the word of the Lord will, Lord, reach its target, reach the people, that hearts will be opened, hearts will be melted. The word of God will be expounded. We love you today, and we give your name all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I will going to have you to sit down. I'm going to read the entire chapter of um, Acts. Please have a seat. Chapter 3 of Acts, beginning in verse 1, and I'll be reading from the NIV, New International Version, the new version of the NIV. And it starts, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon, and your Bible may say the ninth hour. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Verse 4. Peter looked, right, looked straight at him, and as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Uh, look, at with this, look at this. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. Verse 11. While the men held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to, to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus, Jesus' name, and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, hmm. as did your leaders. But that is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, verse 20, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to him or listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Hmm. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant. God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you and by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. As the title of giving this word, healed. Healed is the title, healed. Not healed, like, like, like a dog. Come on, healed. No, no, healed. Healed. The body, y'all can laugh, it's okay, it's all right, don't worry about it. <laughs> In the passage that we read today, we just here read, we see the first miracle after Jesus has left the earth and the Holy, Holy Spirit descends. So after the Holy Spirit descends and Christ has gone back, this is the first recorded miracle. This miracle is most interesting as it involves a man that was lame from birth and had never walked. Point number one, we're going to address two points today. Number one. Is healing at the time of prayer. Healing at the time of prayer. It is interesting to note that the book of Acts, there are a couple of, a couple of miraculous events that take place when the apostles are going to prayer. One of these times involves the apostle Paul where he is going to prayer and he is smacked by a slave girl who was foretelling who these men were, but it was by demonic means. 
And after many days, Paul rebukes the spirit, casts her out, and this girl is healed. And we see another time, as we've just read here, at the time of prayer when they're going, they come to this beggar that's sitting at the temple gate, and he's been lame from birth. This man's condition was so bad that it required that he be cared every day. And this would be a strain on those who would have to pick him up, literally, and take him back home at the end of the day. According to Dr. R.C. Sproul, the Jewish temple was elevated and the Jewish temple court of the Jews was on the second level. Therefore, it would require that this man be taken from the first level of the steps, taken upstairs to the second level, and placed at the temple gate. Not only had, did they have to walk up to the temple, then they had to navigate the stairs. We're not told when this, this practice started in regards to, or, or when this matter occurred for this man to be at the temple. We don't know how long he'd been there. And you don't find his age until we come until the next chapter, chapter 4. But I'm going to just let you know now. The Bible says that he was over 40 years of age and had never walked. There were three times that the leaders would go to prayer. They would go to prayer in the morning, noon, and in the evening, and this three o'clock time is one of the times where the, the prayer is, is occurring and the disciples are on their way to prayer. Now I need you to understand something. Not until later do we find that there begins to be a separation of the Christians from the, the Jewish leaders in the, in the Judeo Judaism. There, there is a separation that occurs later because they could no longer go into the temple, and there was such animosity. But at this time, that's not the case. They are still going to the temple to pray, and the church is not yet meeting in the homes, um, as occurs a little bit later. I mean, they, they met in the homes, I should say, but the official establishment of church home services starts later. But as Peter and John are on their way to the temple, they, they notice this man that is at the gate called Beautiful. And at this gate, there is this incredible temple. In fact, as this temple has been rebuilt, Solomon had built the first, and after its destruction, Herod builds the second temple. And it's at this second temple that it's magnificent that this man is placed at this wonderful gate. This gate was inlaid with bronze, overlaid with silver and gold. This was a magnificent, expensive gate. And I believe that this man is placed there because he knows something. He knows that when he's placed there, that most of the foot traffic is going right through that gate. So he strategically places himself right in a position where the most people are going to be passing by so he can ask for some money. I've I got to give it to this man. This man, lame from birth, has found some people to be willing to take him every single day and put him at the temple gate. 
This man is working. I can go right now to the other side of Murray City and see some guys standing and leaning against some cars. I see it Monday. I see it Tuesday. I see it Wednesday. I see it Thursday. I see it Friday. I don't see it Saturday because I'm not here on Saturdays. And then I come back on Sunday morning early and see some standing. But this man, that's right, this man is crippled. Find somebody to pick him up and take him to work. And he places, has himself placed right in the place where the people are going to be passing by. This says something to me. It says something important to me. If you really want something, you do whatever's necessary to get it. If you want that special car, you're going to do what? What can I do to get that car? Tell me what I need. Do I need to work extra? Do I need to go knock somebody over the head to rob them to get it? No, 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 no don't, don't go out there telling people. Pass up and telling people to go hit people over the head to get what they want. <laughs> what do I need to do? Work. Work. He's right here. Work. Thank you, Cleveland. All right. One of the things that we've got to keep in mind is that the Lord has set up in the Christian community the ability and the, and the responsibility to, to help individuals. Now, 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 I, I, need, to, I need to say this. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Cleaver. Yeah. I need to say this. Within the Christian structure, and as we began to look at the book of Acts, there's a principle at play where the Bible and the Lord expects for his people to help and to support one another, but it is not for the purpose of preventing and keeping a person from doing their part in doing what the Lord requires of them. There, there, there is a, there is a, this, this mentality that's been inbred by our government and people that if you just give and give, that in some way that's going to help people to get up and do what they need to do. But I need to tell you this. The, the, the Bible, when you look at the principle of helping, it was for the purpose of helping people for a period of time to move forward. What has happened today in our society, people have become so dependent that it has sapped not only what is out there, but it has even sapped their own desire and motivation to do what they need to do to help themselves. Not only has Stockton become a nation that's bankrupt, Detroit recently has filed bankruptcy or about to. And it is because of people taking more out of and expecting more out of than what's being put in. Our nation is heading down a path that is not ordained by God. If you want to be blessed by God, you've got to start with the Word of God. It requires us to follow the principles of God, the Word of God, and live according to His holy standards. This man is doing what he can because he has no other means to make it. And so he sits there and he gets up every day and is placed strategically at a place where people are coming through. Peter and John, the apostles that the Lord had 
chosen and who were at the Mount of Transfiguration with him had a chance to see Jesus in his glory. The glory of Jesus, the glory of God, because of his earthly body, could not contain the glory of Savior, and it just exuded through his body. And they were able to experience the glory of God. Yet at the time of the crucifixion, when the Lord was going to be crucified, the disciples deserted him, and the only disciple that was left at the foot of the cross was the Apostle John. And the Lord said to him, I want you to take my mother and take her into your house, and she will become your mother. Son, this will become your mother. Mother, this will become your son, because Christ was about to leave. He did not entrust his mother to the care of even his brothers, because his brothers at the time didn't believe in him. He gave him to a person that he knew would be responsible and that he could trust, which was John. And so John at this time is with Peter. Peter having now come back after having disavowed or denied Christ. He's now come back. And he is more bold than ever. Because now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is working through him in a mighty and an incredible way. And he can now go to the temple in prayer. He can go and walk to the temple. And he can see a man there. And he can say, I want you to look at us. Most people, when they pass somebody that's homeless on the street, will look down or look away, won't look at them. Look at people today when you walk by a homeless person. Check out, your, check out yourself. Do you, do you look at them or do you think they're going to ask for something? I'm looking the other way. <laughs> it's the natural tendency to look away. That's not what Peter does. Peter says, he stops, looks down at this man, says, look at us. There is an intense stage, there's an, an intense uh, staring or glaring to, at, at each other in this, at this time. He's looking at this man in his eyes, and, and, and Peter's looking at him, and he's looking at Peter and John. And he says something, silver and gold. We ain't got none. We ain't got no money. We, we, don't ha- we, don't, we don't have no money. We don't have any money. Let me say this. There's a misconception today for some. <laughs> Ministers, preachers, pastors, where there is this thought. People say, I... I ain't going there because they're just going to take my money. That is, that is just such, for many, foolishness. Foolishly, it, it, it shows a lack of understanding. There is this, this, this tenacity, there's this stubbornness in people oftentimes that pulls back and resents this matter of giving because they think something that's either been told them or something that they've heard. But if a person was to look behind the scenes of a church and what happens, the ministry, and all that has to be done, and what comes in, people will be shocked. How could you do it? And, and yet, the word of God still goes forth. 
Peter and Peter and John are not saying we ain't preaching until we actually have we we can get something. That's not what they're doing. They're saying we're going to preach the word because we have been compelled by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God. Whether we receive anything or whether we do not, the word of God must be preached. And we must give what the Lord has given to us. They told this man, we don't have any silver and gold, but as much as we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now I want you to know what he does. Not only did he stare or look at him, he reached his hand out to touch him. How many of you have touched a homeless person or a person in need recently? How many of you have either basically recoiled and said, can't, can't touch that person? How, how many of you have been touched by a person that has a disease? Or how many of us walk on the other side of the street? Now, we have to be careful at times. I have to admit, yeah. Yeah, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. Can't just touch everybody. Could you... You know, people are not just people are not just uh, uh, all okay. You got it. You got to be. You got to be careful. But at the same time, you got to learn how to touch people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So one of the things I need to say is that he reached out and he touched this man. And when he reached out, the man took hold of his hand. And the Bible says that when he touched him and reached out. That his ankles became strong to the point as if when he's coming up, the Bible says he then leaps up. Can you imagine a person that has never walked, never had massage on their legs, massage therapy, never had the, the, the ability, ability to be able to, as a kid to, to stumble and walk and fall down and get back up, didn't have any of that. But the Bible says that he, he jumped up and he went walking and praising and jumping and worshiping God all through that temple court. Let me say this. You're going to worship God based on what he does for you. Your perception of God, how you see God, what he's worth to you is how you worship him. If you don't worship God, if you don't spend time with the Lord, evidently it may not be that much to you. People, when God has done something in your life, it makes you want to worship Him. It makes you want to serve Him. It makes you want to say, Lord, I just thank you. Sometimes it just causes you in your own private devotion just to wave your hands because He's been so good. This man recognizing that he's never walked, and he's now jumping. He don't care who's looking at him. This man's been healed. And he goes through the temple, worshiping, praising the Almighty God. And then he comes back and holds on to Peter. Brings us to our second point. Jesus is responsible for the healing and for salvation. Jesus is responsible 
for healing and salvation. When Peter recognizes and sees this man and the people running, the people recognize that this man has been healed. And when Peter notices that they're looking at them as if by their own power they've done something, Peter says, why are y'all looking at us like this? We have not healed this man. It is not by our own power that we've healed this man. It's by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the very one that you killed. Peter does not know how to be politically correct. I'm sorry. Peter don't know about political correctness. He doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. Some, some days there are people today that they got to get it all just right. I can't say that. That might offend somebody. I, I can't say it just that way. That might hurt their feelings. Peter ain't learned that. He said, why are y'all looking at us as if by our own power we healed this man? It's Jesus Christ, the one that you killed. Let's look at some of the things that he says again. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. Who's the murderer? Barabbas. Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas, you cross him, you might be in trouble. Y'all know, Barab- know any Barabbases? How, how, how many Barabbases do y'all know? Don't, you know? Are some of y'all Barabbases? I'm just checking. I just need to know, you know, <laughs> I got to wash my back. <laughs> but, but, but they said, you asked that a murderer. In fact, they said, you know what? You knew, you knew that this man was a murderer. And even though Pilate, even, even though Pilate didn't fully understand who Jesus was, he was trying to find a way to release him. And you all said, we want Barabbas. The man that is healed today was from the very man that you denied. Let's go on a little bit further. You killed the author, 15, of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes from him, through him, that has completely healed him. Why is this so important? Because as Paul, as Peter is going through these scriptures, he's going back to the fact and the point of them saying that Abraham is our father. He goes to the Old Testament because 
all of the Old Testament scriptures were pointing to Jesus. And, and they knew these scriptures and they recognized that it was pointing to the future Messiah. And they said, when, it, when Peter said this, he said, the one that you were looking for, the very one of life, the source of life, the one that was bringing your spiritual deliverance, you killed him. And even on the cross, when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, there are two types of ignorance. Two types of ignorance. This, this, let me just say this. According to R.C. Sproul, the Catholics have one that's called invincible, invincible. Vincible ignorance and invincible. Vincible and invincible. Now, I hope I get this right. <laughs> Vincible is an is a, is a ignorance that one has, but all the information and knowledge is there for you to know it. Yeah. It is the ignorance with information for you to be able to ascertain what you need to do, but you won't. Invincible is that which is an ignorance that you just don't know. You don't have the information. You just don't know. The ignorance that Jesus says on the cross that Father forgive them for they don't know, it's not because the details was, was not there for them to know. They chose to ignore it. When the Lord kept saying to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I, I am the Messiah. When the Lord was telling them this, they said, no, you're not. They denied him. That's vincible. Invincible would be, and I'll use the example that I believe R.C. Sproul used. One of the things he was saying is that if you were driving a car and you go to a city and you decide and you run a red light and you're pulled over. Well, let me, let me say it this way. Let me back up. Let's do Vincible first. Let's say that you're driving in Marin City. It's one red light right here, the shopping center, and you run it. Okay? Green light, red light. You go to a different city, or you, let's say that you, that you, you stop. You go to a different city, let's say Florida, Atlanta, and you run that light. You get pulled over, and the officer says to you, I'm giving you a ticket because you just ran the red light. He says, well, why are you giving me a ticket? He said, because you ran a red light. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that you're supposed to, you know, stop at a red light. In, in my area, you is, you're supposed to stop in Marin City. It says, you know, the laws are you have to stop. But I don't, why should I have to apply, you know, apply the law here over in Florida? He says, well, at red lights, the same principle. Well, I didn't know that was a law in Florida. I didn't know that I had to do it. Well, you're supposed to know the laws of the land. If you're driving there, you should know it. So the application is that it's not that you, you can't know it, it's that you chose to ignore what the laws were. You just chose to do it. You could get a ticket. You would not be able to go in court and say, ignorance, I didn't know you would still get a ticket. However, the other case that he presented was that, let's say that, the, the, the church or the, the city was saying, we need money, and we need money fast. 
So let's do this. We're going to change the laws to say, now, every green light people come to, they got to stop. But we're not going to tell them. So you, you come to a green light and you go through, you get pulled over, you get, a, you get a ticket. So why are you giving me a ticket? You just went through a green light. Well, I didn't know what green light you're supposed to go. Well, in our city, we just changed the law last night. And we didn't tell her, no, we didn't tell anybody. But you are responsible for knowing. That would be invincible. You had no way of knowing. It changed the standards. You just didn't know. That's called invincible. You got it. When Peter says to them, you acted in ignorance, it was vengeful. It wasn't because they did not, could not have known. They chose not to know. But, and here's a key that we need to focus on. But when the Holy Spirit comes... The ignorance that you claim back there that you didn't know, and the Lord says, Father, forgive them. There's now no excuse. There is the revealing of the Holy Spirit of who Jesus is and internally. He comes to fill everybody, and he points everybody to Jesus. You have to know who Jesus is because the Holy Spirit is revealing and is pointing people to the Lord. What Peter is saying now, on the scene here, you no longer can claim ignorance. I am telling you, by the power of the Lord working in me, that you must repent. There can be no excuses anymore. There can be no way of saying, I just did not know. There are going to be people in the judgment trying to claim ignorance. I didn't know, Lord. Well, how come you didn't know? Well, I, I, I wasn't there. Well, how come you weren't there? Because Sunday's my time to sleep in. Why Sunday's your time to sleep in? Because I'm out partying Friday and Saturday night. Can't claim ignorance. We must understand. We must understand that accountability is a picture, is the key. Evidence abounds today. People coming up with their own messages and mo- make their own approaches are not carrying any weight before the Lord. The solution to their problem is given in verse 19 by Peter when he says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come. The only way to get it right, is to absolutely repent. I've told you before, that was the message of John the Baptist, that was the message of Jesus, and this is the message of even the apostles, that says you must repent. This idea of saying, I'm trying my best, I'm just trying, I get tired sometimes of Christians, I'm trying to live right. How many of you try to go to the bathroom and don't make it? Well, some, right. But, you know, you get the point. <laughs> we, we, I'm just trying to make, I'm trying to get, no, you go. You do. You make it. You, you make plans. Whatever needs to happen. We make excuses for things that we shouldn't make excuses for. I got $50. My, my PG&E is $45. I'm trying to get down to the PG&E place to pay my bill. I'm just trying to get down there. 
but I haven't been able to get down for the last two months. Click. No lies. Why they turn off? And then you got the nerve to call them up and cuss them out on the phone. Why you turn my power out? Or not say nice words. Let me tell you, because some of us don't cuss. But some of us have a tongue that slashes. How many of y'all have said some things and all of a sudden come to realize that what I'm saying, I say it was wrong. I got to now go back and apologize. You know, apologies, sometimes that can be so, so humbling. So humbling. So humbling. When we repent... When we say, I'm sorry, Lord, it automatically means that there has to be a change of heart and direction. If I tell you that I'm sorry, I'm going to do everything I can not to do that same thing again. I'm convinced that many people don't consider offending God as a great sin. I'm convinced that these people here, even though many of them saw Jesus Christ, I want you to look at this. They saw Jesus. They saw some of the miracles that he performed. They witnessed his healing. Some of these same people, as Peter says, and you killed, you asked for him to be killed. They were witnesses to what Jesus had done. And yet they still called, called for his death. But when Peter preached to them the second message, remember on the day of Pentecost he preached. And this is the second sermon that Peter now preaches. And when you look at chapter 4, over 2,000 people responded. But you know what? That's still a small number based on the entire Jewish community that was there. A small number. But they were convicted, those that responded. When we understand that God is offended by sin, what we do is, Lord, I'm sorry. And we do everything within our ability to say, God, I don't want to offend you. And we then say, I'm turning around. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. There has to be a deep sorrow within us. These people that, that began to experience a sorrow as Peter preached the word, and it wasn't like this ABC prayer or ABC word. He gave them the word of God, whether they wanted to hear it or not. And it convicted them, and they said, oh, Sorry, Lord. When we recognize when God's heart is hurt, think about when you're when you're when you've hurt your child. Sometimes you thinking, "Oh, I didn't mean to hurt you." You feel it. The Lord loves us far more than we could love our children, and when we offend Him, do you think He doesn't hurt? He's pained. And then we don't, when we don't say, God, I need your help, or we can say, I'm, on, I'm just trying to help myself. I'm just, the Lord knows. 
doesn't work that way. There's got to be a change of heart. There has to be. Only a contrite heart does the Lord hear. He wants a people to be contrite. wants them to be sorrowful. Lord, I'm sorry. I won't keep doing that because I know it hurts you. And anything that hurts you, Lord, hurts me, and I don't want to hurt you. How many of us are really sorry when we hurt God? How many of us really want to have a healed heart? A healed spirit. Just like this man that was lame from birth rejoiced in his healing. His spirit was healed. As he went about worshiping and praising God, whenever there's a word that comes forth, whenever there's a healing, remember this. The word has to follow. Peter didn't miss the opportunity. This, this healing, this miracle, was only setting the stage for the word to be preached. When we worship God, sing, when we do this, it's preparation for the word. It's preparation. When we leave this place, it is to hide the word in our heart that we might not sin Against the Lord. Today as we come to an end. And a conclusion. Healed. Healed. There has to be. A change. In the lives of God's people. If there's going to be a change. For the people that the Lord wants to touch. Through the church. And by the church. There has to be a change in the hearts and lives of God's people. If you're getting the same results and you don't like it, change what you're doing. Change what you're doing. If you don't like the outcome you're getting and receiving, change what you're doing. Change it. Who says it's going to be easy? We, we sometimes think that life is just supposed to be so easy. Do you not know that the gospel, and as we go through, go through Acts, do you not know that the gospel spread because of persecution? It wasn't because everybody was happy. It was because there was pain and hurting and suffering and trials. That's what caused the gospel to spread around this world. We're looking at times for things to be easy. No, our growth comes through our persecution and trouble. Somebody rubbing you the wrong way? Good. It's helping you to grow. <laughs> Making you keep, keep praying for patience, and the Lord gonna keep giving it to you. <laughs> he will, by allowing people to touch you in certain ways. We <laughs> gotta have a change. Bow your head. Today, Lord, we are grateful for the privilege of having seen a man lame from birth healed. We thank you today that he came rejoicing and giving thanks for what you've done. But there had to be a change in his heart and life, and it allowed the word of God to be preached by Peter and John, to be preached in, in, in a hostile situation, and to be preached then to people that some listened, some didn't. But yet, Lord, it still had an effect on those who were willing to hear. Today, our prayer in this place is that, God, there will be a true repentance and a change in the hearts of our lives 
that this world will be affected. There will be a change. There will be a turning. There will be a remarkable change in the lives of people. We love you today. We honor you. In Jesus' name. If keep your head bowed just for a moment, please. If there's anybody in, there, in this place that's saying, you know what? I've been doing it my way. I just keep doing it. I keep running against the wall. I want to change it. I don't want to keep having that happen. If that's your prayer, if that's what you're asking, just raise your hand. I keep doing the same thing. I see you. You can put your hand down. I see you. God cannot, will not honor sin. He honors righteousness. God's heart, God's will is that all will come to him. He's made the opportunity. He's made the way. And if we choose to go a different way, then we'll pay the price. Lord, for those who raise their hands, we are praying today for them that they will place the situation squarely in the lap of the Lord and will say, I'm going to do exactly what the Lord has called me to do. I'm going to live the word. I'm going to do it no matter what comes. If the Lord is pleased, the outcome is also in the hands of the Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.